You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with breaking news. A former nanny charged with sex crimes against children. And police are now looking for more possible victims. Our Jay Durant is in the newsroom tonight with the details on this one. Jay. Chris, Sophie, this began when a Saanich mother went to police saying she believed her two sons, both under the age of 10, were victims of sexual assault. Police launched an investigation and have arrested and charged a suspect. 30-year-old Saanich resident Jonathan Lee Robichaud had been employed as the family's nanny. He's been charged with sexual interference, sexual touching and making sexually explicit material available to a child. Police say during the investigation they found a significant amount of images and videos containing sexually explicit material involving children and they were able to identify another victim. More troubling, police say they have compelling evidence that there may be more child victims who haven't come forward. They say Robichaux has lived in the greater Victoria area for some time and has worked extensively with children. So we're asking for people to come forward, give our information line a call uh, before speaking to your children and our child uh, investigators would like to speak to those people first. Now, Robichaux is currently under conditions to not be in contact with children under the age of 16 or be at any location where children could be. Police are telling parents that if their child has been alone with him at any time to contact the Saanich police. Chris, Sophie. All right, thanks for that, Jay Durant, reporting in our newsroom tonight. Now, a quiet Burnaby neighborhood found itself in the middle of a heavy police presence this afternoon. Global's Paul Johnson is live in Burnaby. Paul, no fewer than five Metro Vancouver Police and RD RCMP detachments were involved in this. It was a, quite an event there. Yeah, lots of different departments involved in this one. And that's because it started this morning with a report of that black Ford pickup truck you can see behind me stolen in Langley. It was subsequently spotted in Surrey, then again here in Burnaby. Police finally caught up with it here near the corner of Smith and Nithdale where they arrested the driver. Now, if you look at some of these pictures, you can see that both the truck and then another vehicle, a white sedan, it ended up off the street and crashed. We're still not exactly clear on what the blow-by-blow -blow was there, but we're told there were no injuries and police were able to arrest the single driver of that black pickup truck. No charges yet that we've heard about. This has turned out to be a bit of a traffic nightmare in this part of Burnaby, though, especially as rush hour got going. There's been a lot of traffic coming off of Burnaby, getting trapped here on Nithdale, and then having to turn around. That's still going on, and they still haven't towed away uh, that stolen truck. So if you had any plans to drive through this part of Burnaby, uh, I would adjust your plans because this is still going to be roped off for the next little while. Sophie? All right. Thanks for that. Paul Johnson in Burnaby. Also chaos on the streets of downtown Vancouver today after a 27-year-old man went on a destructive crime spree. As Ted Chernecki reports, it began with a carjacking and ended with construction workers chasing down the suspect. He became extremely aggressive. Craig Vandermeer can expect to be telling his story many more times. This was a day that started like any other. That is, until he arrived at his usual parking spot on the third level of this parkade. These people were getting robbed. I jumped out of my car to help them. An Italian couple here for a camping trip had their car window smashed, and a male suspect was going through their things, apparently grabbing a can of bear spray just as Vandermeer tried to stop him. 
he um, you turned the bear spray on us and that's when I told the couple from Italy get out of here this is bear spray then the alleged thief sees the Good Samaritan's unlocked car jumps in and steals it driving off erratically he did get into a number of collisions he bounced off a number of vehicles some trash cans he hit a pedestrian that pedestrian is now in hospital with serious injuries that are not thought to be life-threatening and this is what's left of the Good Samaritan's SUV the suspect then flees on foot towards the Queen Elizabeth Theatre that's when some construction workers at the old post office jump into action these construction workers were able to jump into action they decided on their own that they wanted to help out and take this person into custody. They were pepper sprayed, they fought through the pepper spray and were able to hold them for police. A combination of guilt for having you know, my car is the end result as to why this unfolded on the street and for knowing that other people were uh, hurt. And just to make sure this was a Friday to never forget, someone else tried to steal something from Vandermeer's stolen SUV after the crash. Finding out that someone else tried to, to rob you after your car's been stolen and someone's used it in a massive incident like this is just like, what's wrong with people? Ted Chernaki, Global News. Heavy rain in the forecast tonight, hand in hand with a warning about flooding. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us a bit early tonight with details on what to expect this evening and it's already begun, Christy. Yes, it's sort of been on and off through the afternoon hours, but coming down now here in Burnaby, that's for sure. But really, Sophie, the worst has yet to come. Check out this radar imagery. Just on the west coast of Vancouver Island, some very intense pockets of rain set to push on shore. We'll see that in the lower mainland through the evening and overnight hours. Now, this is wave number two of this big Pacific storm. Last night, we saw up to 50 millimeters in some parts of uh, the lower mainland. And by tomorrow, we could see another 70 millimeters of rain in areas like Maple Ridge, out through Pitt Meadows and over to Coquitlam. Those are some of the hardest hit areas. The further south you go, the drier you'll be. So if you don't like rain, head to the south. When I come back, we'll also talk about winds. So, all right. Thanks, Christy. Well, all of this rain combined with the earlier darkness is making the roads that much more dangerous. As Catherine Urquhart reports, three fatal crashes in three cities have police and ICBC urging drivers to slow down. Three people are dead following three separate crashes in Metro Vancouver. All were killed within a 24-hour period as a rainstorm pummeled the region. Police issuing this plea. Please, slow down. Make an extra 10 or 15 minutes uh, into your schedule but to take time and get there safely. At about 6 p.m. Thursday, a Delta man in his 50s perished after his F-150 crashed into the median at the Highway 17A exit. Hours later in Surrey, a pedestrian was struck and killed in a hit-and-run. Police are asking witnesses to come forward. We are looking for a vehicle which has been described as a white SUV with a boxy appearance. And early Friday, this truck veered off the Lougheed Highway in Burnaby. A man in his 20s died. Two others were injured. Alcohol, a possible factor, and weather believed to have played a role in all of the incidents. There were three fatal crashes in the lower mainland, one in Surrey, one in Delta, and one here in, in Burnaby. And it all came about around the time that it started raining heavily. ICBC says it had 3,445 calls Thursday, up 141 compared to the same day last year. We did see a 4% increase in the number of calls. I wish I could say that what happened last night was a rare occurrence, but what we see every single time during this time of year is more crashes. 
The message to motorists, slow down, pay attention, and be road ready. Making sure that our vehicles are safe, making sure that our vehicles have been outfitted with snow tires. Lights have been checked, our wiper blades have been checked. Pedestrians also advise to pay better attention. Important advice as Metro Vancouver braces for yet more rain and darker days. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Whether you consider them an eyesore or a safe, structured community, one thing is for sure, tent cities tend to spark debate wherever they pop up. Now, after months of back and forth, campers in Nanaimo's discontent city have been told they have 21 days to dismantle. A B.C. Supreme Court judge granted the city an injunction this afternoon. The province is working to build 2,000 modular housing units across the province, but need municipalities to come to the table in order for things to proceed. In the meantime, many campers here say they have nowhere else to go. The only talk of alternative housing that was provided is for people to go into parks. The homeless population have to be somewhere. Where that's going to be, I don't know. It is, at the end of the day, a death sentence for the people that have found home and found community here. These people aren't dangerous. These people are vulnerable. These people are dealing with... Uh, you know, health issues, and, uh, and all we need to do is stabilize them and uh, address their needs, and they can just be good neighbors. Not a lot of enthusiasm tonight for the federal government's decision to send the Trans Mountain Pipeline proposal back to the National Energy Board. Ottawa is giving the NEB 22 weeks to review the marine safety of the Alberta-to-BC project, a decision that both sides of the debate are greeting with some skepticism. Keith Baldry reports. As expected, the federal government is taking yet another stab at building a pipeline that is proving to be an elusive goal. And it's putting a tight time frame on the next attempt to get it across the finish line. We will be directing the NEB to provide this report within 22 weeks. The National Energy Board will now be asked to assess the impact a sevenfold increase in tanker traffic could have on the southern resident orca population. And it has just 22 weeks to make that assessment, which didn't seem to impress Alberta Premier Rachel Notley, who desperately needs construction to begin on that pipeline before she has to face her next election campaign. The issue is, is uh, whether those timelines start to slip, and that is where uh, we will um, uh, engage very ferociously should we see that happening. And while B.C. Premier John Horgan welcomed any attempt to study the project even further, he remains opposed to it. Our marine environment is critically important to our economy. It's important to the very being of British Columbia. And we have said all along that the federal government, the previous government and the current government did not adequately measure the consequences of a diluted bitumen spill. This is an opportunity to do that. Is it adequate enough? Our officials are looking at that and we'll have more to say in the days ahead. The federal government also has to engage in a meaningful two-way dialogue with First Nations affected by the pipeline. But the federal NDP argues that will be a phony process since the Trudeau government has already decided it wants the pipeline completed. You can't have meaningful consultations if you've already made up your minds. Justin Trudeau has already made up his mind on this project. And a University of Calgary professor warns the next round of First Nations consultations may be more difficult. I think it's difficult to put a timeline on consultations. You really have to go in with an open mind. If you, if you don't, the courts may rule that you didn't do it properly. But even with today's announcement, the minister could not say precisely when the pipeline will actually be built. We are focused on getting this project right. Keith Baldry, Global News. 
Well, Global News is launching a new program today to help you make informed decisions in the upcoming civic elections on October 20th. That's right. The show is called Focus BC, and we are joined by host Sonia Deal right now. Sonia, a very lively debate with some of the top contended uh, candidates for mayor of Vancouver. Oh yeah, it got very, very passionate, quite heated at times. There are 21 candidates in this race, which is pretty incredible. Uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of candidates for people to choose from. Uh, what really stood out for me today, two of the front runners right now, uh, we're talking independent Kennedy Stewart, who of course has, uh, gave up his uh, uh, member of parliament job, and former, um, uh, the MPA's Ken Sim, who right. of course has got a great business background, no political experience, um, and he really used today or both of them did, uh, to just have a, a go at each other. Take a look. Voters will have a clear choice. They have a choice between Ken Sim, who's running for the NBA, who has no experience and he has no plan for to solve this affordable housing crisis, or they can vote for me that's been an MP for seven years, that's delivered in Ottawa, and I have a clear plan to tackle this affordable housing crisis. When someone says they don't have political experience, I've experienced running a very complex organization. Um, at Nurse Next Door, we have over 200 locations across North America. Yeah. We have thousands of employees. And Kennedy Stewart's track record is being completely silent on when people in Burnaby were demovicted from their homes. They're focused on each other. Absolutely, right? And, and which kind of makes sense because they're both kind of in the leading in the polls, as I said, right now. Uh, but we know these polls often not accurate. It's still too early to, uh, to decide. Uh, the gate is wide open. Uh, there's a lot to play for, still a few weeks to go. Um, and we'll carry on looking at those issues. And if you want to catch what the other four said that we had on today, mm -hmm. uh, Focus BC is repeated over the weekend on uh, BC One. So you can catch it uh, over the weekend whenever you have time. Lively commentary and, and a lot of information about their housing strategies, too, which we know is yes. going to be very important going forward. Thanks yeah. very much, Sonia. Absolutely. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. to it. Thank you. Right now, though, there is concern tonight about the private information of anyone who had dealings with a defunct Vancouver computer company. It turns out many of the NCIX servers and hard drives that were sold at auction had not been wiped. Kristen Robinson now with what that could mean for hundreds of thousands of former customers. We're on site in Richmond at the uh, NCIX. When Vancouver-based PC retailer NCIX closed down and filed for bankruptcy last December, its stock sold off. Lots of servers. Able Auctions says it was their understanding the hundreds of old hard drives and dozens of servers had been wiped. Instead, it's alleged NCIX did not wipe or encrypt any of its servers, and some of the customer and employee data ended up for sale online. In the one database alone, I found 3.8 million Canadian details. It contained details like items purchased, uh, the names, addresses, places of work, email addresses. Cybersecurity researcher Travis Doring discovered an ad for NCIX database servers on Craigslist last month. He claims he met with the seller twice in Richmond, where he viewed some of the most damaging data he's ever seen. I was shocked. I mean, I, I've seen data peddled before, that's nothing new. But the extent of having an entire server farm, all of the records available to sale to the highest bidder. I'm just very angry that they didn't take precautions or any measures to safeguard our information. Sorry, there's no more room to record new messages. NCIX founder Steve Wu could not be reached, and former manager Kevin Ma told Global News he too is a victim. 
I'm one of the people in that database, and this is very disappointing. They left a lot of hardware assets just pretty much left out in the open for anyone to take, and uh, that, that's a very dangerous thing. Richmond RCMP have since recovered the storage devices being sold online and are investigating. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A Kamloops mother is sharing a tragic story and her family's grief in the hopes that no one else has to live the nightmare they're living through right now. Two weeks ago, her 21-month-old son died when a TV fell on top of him, a preventable accident the mother thought could never happen. Our report is from Jill Sperling at CFJC. He was never a sad kid. He was always smiling. Baby Sean was a bright, loving, and happy child. But the laughter that used to fill his family's home has been replaced with grief. It's really hard to think about that people don't get to be around him anymore because he just, he had so much love and he was such a sweet boy. On Saturday, September 8th, Karina Canton woke up to a loud thump in the apartment she shared with her two children. I ran to the bedroom and I opened the door and when I walked in, I saw the TV and this was a, a big box TV, like a RCA old style TV and it's quite heavy and it was on his head and I, I threw it off of him. Canton says she immediately called 911 as she watched her son struggle to hold on to life. While on the phone with dispatch, Canton says her three-year-old daughter told her Sean had climbed up to the television. I never in a million years thought that TV would fall. I, I weight tested it myself and I'm a heavier set woman and it didn't budge and he is a less than 30 pound baby and he was able to knock it over. Sean was rushed to Royal Inland Hospital and then transferred to Vancouver Children's Hospital. It was there that Canton found out her son would never be the same. Unimaginable because the day before he was playing and jumping and climbing on me and laughing. And it was hard to think about that. So when they asked me what I wanted to do, every time someone would ask me questions, I would just freeze up and... I didn't know what to do. The following Monday, Canton made the difficult decision to take Sean off life support. Since then, support has been pouring in for Canton through a GoFundMe page set up by her cousin. Everyone wants to help, and I'm, I love that everyone wants to help. It makes it seem like so many people saw Sean as this little boy who just touched so many people, and it, I feel guilty for the money because it should be for Sean, and he's not even here to enjoy it. So if I can do anything with it, it will be towards my daughter's future. Canton says she wants people to check their homes for hazards, even if they've checked a thousand times before. Love your kids. Hold them close. Because in a blink of an eye, everything can change. There is new information tonight that might help catch a fugitive murder suspect from California. It's believed he could be in the Vancouver area. A $100,000 reward is being offered for the capture of Peter Chadwick. And police are using another unique method to try to find him. Yeah, my, wife, my wife's dead. The 911 call that led police to the crime scene, this sprawling home in Newport Beach, was placed by Peter Chadwick. The millionaire murder suspect, who's now on the most wanted list, is also the focus of a new true crime podcast series, Countdown to Capture. I'll tell you about the life he led, 
the lies he told, and how he abandoned his children. The six-part podcast narrated by investigators chronicles the 2012 murder of QC Chadwick. Investigators say she was brutally killed by her husband. The otherwise pristine master bathroom looks like a crime scene. After his arrest in 2015, Chadwick posted a $2 million bond and vanished. Police say he slipped off the grid, last seen on surveillance at a small airport. Peter could be anywhere in the world, and he's taken every opportunity to hide his tracks. True crime podcasts have been successful, turning citizens into crime-fighting sleuths, now offering these listeners a $100,000 reward. This is like a tip line on steroids. And the whole concept of trying to solve these cases online is going to blow the doors off crime solving. Tonight, a new tool to catch an old fugitive who's evaded police and is now captivating listeners. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. How about this? If you suffer from arachnophobia, you might want to avoid this town in Greece. Thousands of spiders have taken up residence there, spinning a giant veil of webs. The webs cover everything, plants, boats, and benches all along the town's lagoon. A recent spike in the local mosquito population has resulted in perfect conditions for spiders to thrive and multiply. And Sophie, I'm sorry <laughs> you have to continue working right now. I'm not going there, by the way, just so. You know, of course not. It's off the bucket list. All right. In Health Matters tonight, you will soon be able to buy marijuana at Shoppers Drug Mart. The pharmacy giant has been granted Health Canada approval to dispense medicinal pot to patients. Shoppers says it will reveal more about its plans in the coming weeks. Also tonight, starting next month, B.C. women will be getting some key information that could help save their lives. Mammogram results will now include information on breast density, a key risk factor in breast cancer. 43% of women over the age of 40 have dense breasts, but most have not been told their breast density or its implications. B.C. will become the first province to report these results directly to women and their health care providers. Today we know that approximately one in eight women, for example, will develop breast cancer in her lifetime. Breast cancer is the most common form of cancer in women, with around 3,500 women receiving a breast cancer diagnosis each year. Still, BC has one of the best five-year survival rates for breast cancer at 89%. The key, as always, is early diagnosis. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. It's the kind of thing that fits into the you had one job category. How would anyone think this is the best place to build a sidewalk? That's coming up right after weather. But just before our weather forecast, at least two tornadoes have touched down in the Ottawa area this afternoon, sending a number of people to hospital. And it was a frightening experience for one viewer who posted this incredible video from across the river in Gatineau, Quebec. Terrifying. There are widespread power outages with nearly 200,000 people in the dark. Global's Mike LeCouture reports from one of the hard-hit neighborhoods in Ontario. This is the scene in Dunrobin, Ontario, just about 45 minutes outside of Ottawa. I'll just get out of the way. You can see complete devastation. Not even sure what was here before we showed up, but it is definitely in pieces. 
people are right now walking around trying to figure out exactly what has happened. We'll just take a look over here. You can see all of these trees snapped, um, just like little twigs, a lot of them completely down. Some of them, uh, I mean, there's, there's uh, one of those bins over there where you drop off some donated clothing. And then just a little bit over here, you can see that power line, that hydro pole snapped. Uh, you can see the force with which that tornado came through here at Dunrobin. Uh, we expect, we hear that it was around 4.45 this afternoon. We just spoke to someone at the media relations uh, for fire services. They're telling us that there were 60 buildings damaged, both commercial and residential. We have seven minor injuries, three serious injuries. Those people were taken to hospital. Not 100% sure uh, how serious those injuries were, but we are told their lives are not in danger. This is the major intersection here in Dunrobin. You can see there a lot of police and first responders. The damage uh, is extensive, and at this point, they're just taking a look to see and assess what there is, and we'll have an update later on. Back to you. All right, Mike, thanks very much. Power crews working through the night, no doubt, trying to get the power back on out there. Uh, we're dealing with some issues here uh, in regards to the rain. Christy's out in the middle of it right now. How's it looking, Christy? Well, it's looking wet. The rain has been on and off through the afternoon hours, Chris. Uh, light at times, a little bit heavier at times. It sort of comes and goes, but we still have the worst yet to come. I wanted to show you the first wave of this storm hit last night. Here's how much rainfall fell along the North Shore Mountains, up to 50 millimeters of rain. Other areas to the south, far less. A similar pattern to what we'll see tonight. And it's the cold front. That's the part of the system that we're going to see tonight. And it really does bring the most intense part of this system. So we will see heavy rain at times through the evening and overnight hours. And we have a risk of thunderstorms along with that. A lot of areas either under a rainfall warning or a special weather statement. Here's how much we are expecting. So along the northern sections of Metro Vancouver, so Burnaby, Coquitlam, Pitt Meadows, and up towards the North Shore, that's where we could see up to 70. Further south, far less. But areas across the east coast of Vancouver Island, 30 to 40 millimeters of rain and so far the winds have not been too bad mainly in through the inner coast uh, so the Strait of Georgia but as we head into the overnight hours that wind is going to shift into the lower mainland I am not expecting this to be a major wind event but because we're going to see the rain and then the gusty winds on top of that I think we certainly could see some power outages into tomorrow morning but really it's mainly a rainfall event with localized flooding and pooling water on the roads those of you across the north beautiful conditions. Again, the province is really sliced in half. All southern regions expecting still showers tomorrow, so rain on and off with a risk of thunderstorms. Temperature-wise, 16 degrees as our high. Sunday is the first full day of fall. We really change over to fall in the evening on Saturday, so 6.54 p.m. And then Sunday's our transition day, and then after that, it's going to feel like summer, and I'm really talking about that. We're talking about temperatures into the 20s, so bye-bye to fall. I mean, saying hello to fall, but it'll be like summer. <laughs> yeah, lots of sunshine. As soon as we get through this. That's thanks, right. <laughs> thanks a lot. Glad you're wearing the appropriate uh, clothing. I feel like I could hear the rain coming down out <laughs> yeah. there. All right, there's some major head scratching going on in West Kelowna tonight over the results of a so-called wine trail that's being built. Yeah, take a look. As you can see, the telephone poles, power poles along Boucherie Road, one of the city's major tourist routes, are not where you might expect them to be. They are smack dab in the middle of the sidewalk. 
A citizens group has called it an embarrassment, and the city has to answer for it. When we approved the design, we didn't go into the absolute minutiae, and nothing that we saw on paper had uh, uh, telephone poles running down the middle of the sidewalk. Uh, <laughs> we saw that after the fact, uh, when they were already in. Well, the city looked at putting the power lines underground, but that would have cost $2 million. If TELUS agrees to move five of the poles, the city says it will realign the sidewalks around the other four at a cost of about eight grand. Let's have a conversation with the guy who laid the concrete. The thing I don't get is... I didn't really notice it as it was happening. That's what I was going to say. It's not like they put the power poles all in at once. No. No. They would have put one or two in. Someone could have said, hey, wait a minute. Those are in the middle of the sidewalk. Because it takes more than five, ten minutes to do it, right? You would think. Over the course of... Yeah, it's not that easy. Okay, reason to be hopeful for some of the young talent coming up for the Canucks. I like what we've seen so far mm-hmm. from uh, Elias Pettersson. I do, re- do really miss saying Elias, but that's wrong. <laughs> uh, last night we saw the new power play with Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, and Elias Pettersson. Uh, what they were missing is a defenseman who can pass it, like Quinn Hughes, but we'll have to wait for him. Uh, Horvat played very well. Pettersson showed us more of his skill, although he does need to learn about face-offs, but that'll come. But look at this pass on the first goal. And what's great about this pass is he's going to get pasted into the board, but he does not shy away. Through the legs to Berchi to Horvat. Again, this is the key right here. He's going to get hit, not afraid. Still makes the play. Let's hear from the coach about Patterson. You can see he's a real special uh, offensive talent, and, and uh, I'm happy with what I'm seeing out of him for sure. To work with he, he he's smart, smart person, smart player, uh, committed. You know he wants wants to do well, wants to get better, and uh, you know that's a real good start for for a young guy to, to start with those uh, those traits already. The Warriors are going to come out to play this December 8th. That's their first National Lacrosse League game at Rogers Arena. This is the new name and the new look of the old Vancouver Stealth, who of course are now owned by the Canucks. And as you can see, the Warriors are going with anything but Canuck colors. And that's not the only difference from the Vancouver Canucks. You know, I think how we, uh, you know, how we announce a game and what we do and how, how the music plays, the type of music that we play, Squire, the groups that we're going to be appealing to, you know, our dance team, things like that that you don't typically see at a, at a National Hockey League game. We're going to be trying a lot of things. We're going we're gonna to have a party zone down at, uh, at floor level. Where people will be able to mingle and talk and have fun and, and you know, it won't be the typical seats. It'll be a whole different experience when you come to these games. Big weekend at BC Place. Whitecaps Sunday against Dallas. Vancouver needs that win badly. Tomorrow, Lions and Hamilton. Lions will have to play, of course, without quarterback Travis Lule. John Jennings will start at quarterback, but that's not the only big change in offense of late because of injury. Two weeks ago, they had to go get a new center or had to promote a new center, which, not is, which is not an easy job to do. It's the position on a football team most casual fans don't even think about as being that important. But every offensive play starts in the center's hands. And for the Lions, their offense is now in the hands of rookie Peter Godber, who's taking over at starting center after veteran Cody Husband went down with a season-ending broken leg two weeks ago. I came home into training camp with the mindset of I'm going to play this year. And... I mean, I was always ready to play whether I was playing or not, and it just happened that now is my opportunity to play. 
Godber was the Lions' first-round pick, third overall in this past spring CFL draft. He played college at Rice University in Houston and played a lot at all positions, including center. And that versatility is coming in handy. Peter's a, a good man. He's played at a high level of football in college. Uh, we drafted him with high expectations, and we also drafted him knowing that he had played center, and, you know, the, the fact that he could be a dual guy uh, was a big benefit, and you now it's paying off for us. When husband went down, Godber didn't go in the game because he wasn't on the game day roster. Chris Greaves filled in that day and had some problems, so now it's Godber's show. His snaps have been great, but the center does much more than that, calling the blocking schemes for the entire offensive line. You definitely do a lot of thinking at center. you got to basically know your playbook or else uh, or else someone's going to trust you on the O-line. You know, he's the quarterback of the O-line. Uh, he has to get those guys straightened out. He has to, uh, you know, call out the signals and, and you know, let them know what, what's going on. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's just like me. you got to step in. you got to be ready to play, and, and he did a good job for us. Second round tour championship, Tiger, 12th hole. Co-leader after Very round one. With your distance oh, that's pretty good. Made birdie. Still tied at minus six. Justin Rose, number one in the world, 27 feet for Bird. It's actually maybe just a fraction up This gives him the outright lead at seven under par. All right, back to Tiger. Minutes later, also on 14, 18 feet away. Yep. And he was right. Tiger followed that up with another birdie at 15 to take the lead at minus eight by himself. Then on 16, ooh, that's a nasty lie. Whoa, man. Pretty hard swing for a guy with a just coming up. All right. Anyway, double bogey there, but he and Rose are tied for the lead at seven under par. Round three will be tomorrow. There you go. All right. Okay, it's Friday. Okay, I'm sorry. I know you put the surfing thing in, which well, was... And I said dude. So, I know you did say dude. <laughs> Sophie's Valley Girl. Really sold it too, I might add. Thanks. But unfortunately, we, it was too much time, so we had to take it out. We'll show it okay. next week. Okay. It'll be great. Um, and you have all week to think about it now. We'll use that same promo next Okay, time. so in this uh, college football game, a guy named Keegan Brewer. Now, North Texas have been practicing this play for quite a while. Now, you put your hand up for a fair catch when someone punts the ball to you so the guys don't hit you. So you just catch it and then play stops. But you've got to put your hand up. Now watch on this play. Keegan Brewer is the punt returner. He doesn't put his hand up, but Arkansas thinks he did. Watch. Okay, so this, this is the punt. Now, this actually was a planned play. This was not something they just did on the spot. They planned this for months. See, he doesn't put his hand up. He just stands there like the play is over. And then when everybody's out of the way, he runs. I had to speed it up here. He doesn't really run this fast, but he does run all the way for a touchdown. But we'll show you two more times. He never puts his hand up that it's a fair catch, but the idea of this play is all his other teammates are supposed to act like he did, and the Arkansas players think he did, and they just walk off the That's field. dirty play. Eh, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, kind of. But you know what? You play until the whistle, as someone once said, and he ran for a touchdown. I don't think anybody else will ever get away with that again. That's the one. No, that's right. Dirty pool, eh? Is that what you think? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's a commercial from New Zealand. Uh, I don't know the name of the star, but it certainly looks like Babe. Here we go. 
Dobby, it's Keith. I was driving along Dundas Lane and there was a pig in the middle of the road. Anyone over there know anything about it? No, no, mate. We were in a different valley. No one knows a thing. No one? Yeah, you don't know anyone out that way who has pigs. Mark Creek. No, I'm not too sure over there. Lemon pig. No, it's a wee one. Guy just down the road from me that's got a couple of pigs. Yeah, it's not mine. You don't know anything about looking after pigs? Not really. I just know they taste all right. <laughs> Any luck? I didn't know a thing. I got your email about Sue. The pig. <laughs> I could bring her back to you uh, tomorrow or the next day? This afternoon? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll see you then. So stay connected on New Zealand's leading mobile network. He saved so babe. Cute. He saved babe. As much so, as I enjoy bacon. Okay, so. Still a kid eat bacon though, right? Yeah, we're we're yeah. still all good with well, that. As long as it's not babe. <laughs> yeah. As long as yeah. it's not babe. Okay. Glad you got over that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Wednesday is hump day. I didn't realize that June is hump month. Now I know it's already passed, but this commercial concerns hump month. And then after that, an old Super Bowl commercial from Radio Shack. Here we go. Oh yeah, it's hump month, June, halfway. It's time to celebrate with eBay. Oh, buy a garden heater, some tools with power. Your home deserves a blender and a fondue tower. All the hottest brands, all the hottest stores. Means a robot vacuum to help you with your chores. Oh, it's hump month sale. Send yourself a present in the mail Buy low-carb protein to help you live High-fashion outfits make the perfect anniversary gift Get laptops, phones, the latest technology Make your new best friend a giant TV Boy, it's hump month sale These deals are off the scale Okay. What? The 80s called. They want their store back. It's time for a new Radio Shack. Come see what's possible when we do things together. You know what? I think I'd like to download Hump Month Sales song. He, yeah, that he was grooving really, that thing. Good. Yeah. That thing was grooving. <laughs> he was into it. He was into it. Disappeared into the character. Uh, okay, yeah, the rain's coming. Be aware for tonight. I would almost even say the rain's here, but the heavier mm -hmm. rain is coming, yeah, for sure. Uh, this evening, overnight, it'll come in waves at times, but certainly intense. Uh, watch for pooling water on the road. Slow down.
good Ooh, advice. A little blue sky right there. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was just seeing that. What? Wait a second. <laughs> Have a great weekend.